Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. We've got a great singer-songwriter here today for Song of the Soul. His name is Phil Hose, and I was first exposed to his songs in the early 1980s, though it was through other folks, not Phil, singing and playing them. A few of them became favorites of mine, but still his name didn't rise to my consciousness until a friend said, Hey, you know that song that John McCutcheon performed just last night about the ant? That's by Phil Hose, and you should interview him. So I was on it, and I learned that he is a man of many talents, including authoring 10 or 12 books and working decades with the Nature Conservancy. All of that to say that his songs will enchant you, as will Phil himself, and you'll love his books. Phil Host joins us via a not-so-great cell phone from Portland, Maine. Phil, I'm so pleased to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Mark, it's a pleasure to be here. I've looked forward to this day for quite a while. I have to send out big thanks to Sally Campbell for connecting us up. I understand the two of you have been part of the People's Music Network for some time. That's really true. Sally's one of Earth's great people. And yeah, I've known her forever. Just a wonderful person. And how long have you been associated with People's Music Network? I think the first gathering I attended was in 1986. 86. So there were a lot of years that were going before that. I listened to a presentation you were doing at a peace fair back in 2014 for Pete Seeger's music, a tribute for him. And you said that you met Pete Seeger at the age of three, but you didn't know it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. I met Pete Seeger that very first year. It was in Philadelphia. The People's Music Network had decided they would hold a big concert downtown to prove that topical folk songwriting hadn't died with the folks there in the 60s, that there were still good songs being written. And so they invited 33 people to sing one song each. Pete Seeger was the MC, and he was painting a sort of a stage set. He had paint, and I, his back was to me and to everybody else, and I thought, do I dare go up and introduce myself? And I chickened out, and I thought, why would I bother him? Later on that night, we were having dinner, and I looked up, and Pete Seeger said to me, would you like some coffee? And I said, yeah, you know, so he goes and gets some coffee, comes back, sits down, it's just the two of us. And we had about a half-hour chat, which was the first time I met him, but he ended up being such an inspiration to me. He helped me greatly with my books. He helped us get the Children's Music Network, which was an offshoot of the People's Music Network, helped us get it going in a million ways. He was just a wonderful man. Well, I met you back when I was about 26, even though I didn't know it, because I heard Charlie King perform your song, What If the Russians Don't Come. So I've known you for a long time. I just didn't know that I knew you. 
Well, I'm glad to re-know you. <laughs> well, good. So there's been a, some of your songs over the years, which I've encountered and loved and been enthusiastic about. But I didn't know until I got ready to contact you about the books you've written. And I take it that's been a larger part of your life recently. There's some 10 or 12 books that you've put out. And you also told me earlier, before we got on the air, that you worked for Nature Conservancy. So what profession have you had? I mean, maybe you're retired now. I think you're 72. It seems to me you're all over the place. Well, I am all over the place. I never wanted to do any one thing in particular. I went to forestry school at Yale. Most people don't think of Yale as a place where people get their hands dirty, let alone, you know, get out in the forest. But they do have a program, and I took it. It was a two-year graduate program and was hired right out of graduate school by the Nature Conservancy, which, as most people know, is a great outfit which tries to protect life forms on Earth by protecting the habitats that they need. I worked for them for 37 years. It was great work. I loved it. In the last years, I worked three days a week for the Nature Conservancy because I really wanted to focus on writing. Do you consider yourself a singer-songwriter these days? Is that much of your schedule? Not really. I still consider myself a singer-songwriter because I still sing and I still write songs. But in terms of what I do with my time, most of it's focused around the books that I, I write. Which book that you've written are you the most proud of, the one that you say, well, this is, this is my crowning glory, my fiery gem? <laughs> it's like asking which kid you like the best, which children, you know. I know which of my children I like the best. <laughs> when you only have one, it's easy. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. One, one that springs to mind that I truly love is called Hey Little Ant, which is a 303-word dialogue between a child about to squish an ant and an ant about to get squished. It started as a song. Our family had a family band, which was really quite popular and successful around here. I'm talking with you from Portland, Maine. As I say, it started as a song. <laughs> it was an idea I had on a, on a hot, sticky summer day. I had been looking to write about biological diversity issues, you know, in songs, simple songs. My daughter, Hannah, and I, Hannah was, I think, nine, and her um, younger sister, Ruby, was two. I think it was a hot, sticky morning, and Ruby was out in the driveway just squishing ants, just bam, 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 you know. And I watched her for a while and went down to her and said, what are you doing? And she said, squishing ants. And I said, well, why? And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, how would you like to be one of those ants? And she said, I wouldn't care. So I went back up on the porch and I looked back out the window, and Ruby had stopped squishing the ants, and there was something about that conversation that got to her. So I asked my elder daughter, Hannah, if she would like to write a song with me, and we went inside, got a yellow pad, took us about an hour to write this dialogue. We just gave the ant a voice, the ability to plead his case, and we finished it. I put a tune to it. It was an old, old traditional tune. Hey, little ant, down in the crack, it had been blaze elephants and it had been five little ducks you know we just took that tune and latched the two together we had a big concert here in portland and when we debuted hey little ant there was quite a different reaction to it uh different from all the other songs that we were doing people raised their hands like they wanted to talk about it so there was a kid that had her hand raised and i said yes and the kid says well what if it's a bee Another kid said, yeah, well, what if it's a red ant? 
somebody else said, what if you spill a glob of honey on your kitchen cabinet and 500 ants come? you got to do something about it, right? And you could see the adults in the audience nodding their heads. So I just had this idea that it would be a tremendous children's picture book. I could see huge ants and tiny kids. You know, you could switch their sizes back and forth. And so I was already doing pretty well as an author. I had an agent. I had some success. So she tried to help me sell the concept of Hey Little Ant in a book. And two, three years went by and no takers. I'd get these letters where editors would say, a child cannot tolerate and will not stand for an unresolved ending. The end of that song is, should the ant get squished? Should the ant go free? It's up to the kid, not up to me. We'll leave the kid with the raised up shoe. What do you think that kid should do? So it's unresolved and it, and it lets the reader kind of make up her or his mind on it. Finally, Nicole Geiger, an editor at Tricycle Press, bought the book and immediately it was successful. To this day, that book has been in print for nearly 25 years. It's sold well over a million copies, and it's in 10 languages. So it's really one of my favorite books. And I think we need to listen to the song so people have it in full context. Yeah, this will be sung by Hannah Hose, my daughter, and I. And it is called Hey Little Ant. Hey Little Ant, down in the crack, can you hear me? Can you talk back? See my shoe, can you see that? Well, now it's gonna squish you flat. Please, oh please, do not squish me. Change your mind and let me be. I am on my way home with a crumb of pie. So please don't hurt me, don't make me die. But anybody knows, an ant can't feel. You're so tiny, you don't look real. I'm so big and you're so small. I don't think it would hurt at all. Yeah, well, you are a giant, and giants can't know how it feels to be an ant. Come down close. I think you'll see that you are very much like me. Are you crazy? Me like you? I have a home and a family, too. You're just a speck that runs around. Hey, no one would care if my foot came down. Oh, big friend, you are so wrong. My nestmates need me because I am strong. I dig our nest. Feed baby ants, too. I must not die beneath your shoe. My mother says that ants are rude. They carry off our picnic food. They steal our chips and breadcrumbs, too. Hey, it's good if I squish a crook like you. Hey, I'm not a crook. Kid, read my lips. Sometimes ants need crumbs and chips. Why, one single chip can feed our town. You must not let your foot come down. But all my friends squish ants each day. Squishing ants is a game we play. They're looking at me. They're listening to, they all say, I should squish you. Well, I can see you're big and strong. Decide for yourself what's right and wrong. If you were me and I were you, what would you want me to do? Should the the ant get squished? Should the ant go free? It's up to the kid, not up to me. We'll leave the kid with the raised-up shoe. Now what do you think that kid should do? 
Philip Hose is here today for Song of the Soul, and that's his song, Hey Little Aunt, performed by Philip Hose and his daughter, Hannah Hose. I find it to be a profound song, a profound dialogue. I actually ask myself those questions regularly. Uh, How does this work in your life? I mean, Nature Conservancy, you're very aware of species. Other ways? Well, Hey Little Ant brings you to all sorts of places and gives gives me hope. I remember one time I had a concert that I was dreading because I was just so tired. It was in Waterville, Maine. It was one of these concerts where it's the whole school. I sang Hey Little Ant, and a boy raised his hand, a third grader. He said, were you at all influenced by the doctrine of Ahimsa? In writing Hey Little Ant. <laughs> a third grader, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wonderful. And I said, before I answer that, will you tell your classmates, your schoolmates, what a hymns is? And he told them, you know, that it was people who were really serious about not taking any life, that wore gauze masks and so forth. And then uh, I told him, yes, I was. I had read a fair amount about it. I was drawn to it. I thought it was wonderful. It's one of the great responses I've ever had to anything I ever did. (laughs) What kind of school was that? That was at a public school? Yes. It was a public school. It was a grunt school. You know, there was nothing special looking about it, but there were some special students in it, that's for sure. I would have expected it at a Quaker school because, you know, they get exposed to that kind of stuff far too early, maybe even to be thinking about it. So I'm just kind of amazed that it was just a regular public school. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I never would have expected that. You know, the thing that led to me doing this interview with you now is because, again, Sally Campbell reminded me that I should interview you a couple years ago. She had suggested your name for a guest for Song of the Soul. But we were both at the beginning of July at the Friends General Conference gathering, and we had John McCutcheon performing there, and he did Hey Little Aunt. And I had previously heard it on his recordings, and also Charlie King and Sally Rogers, they've performed this, and probably how many other people? I don't know. A lot. Well, why don't you delight our audience a little bit with another song? What would you care to share next for Song of the Soul? How about Operation Desert Sun? It works for me. Why do you want to include this, and how's this song part of your Song of the Soul? Where is it deep in your heart? Well, I wrote the song and recorded it with two friends, David LeGraff and Lisa Derman. When we did Operation Desert Shield, I believe it was, but it just seemed like we were back in the saddle again. There we go again for another war to protect our interests, whatever they may be. And it just hit me, a parody of a parody. We could do a parody of, of Country Joe's Fixin' to Die rag, and we could entitle it Fixin' to Die Again, or Operation Desert Sun. And so we did it, and the first couplet set the tone for the song, Come on all you young men and women, Uncle Sam needs your help around Yemen, and off to the races on that one. It it just strikes me that there's always a war waiting, isn't it, Mark? Oh, always. We have family pictures of my great-grandfather in Verdun, you know, in World War One, and my dad was in Korea, and my dad was in World War Two, and of course I was invited to join the party in Vietnam, and it's always a part of any youngster's life, especially historically, for young men. They're always waiting for you. Their jaws are always 
ready to snap you up. And it's just such a shame. It doesn't need to be that way. So anyway, I wrote uh, Operation Desert Sun, and I hope everybody likes it. And it is by Phil Hose. Operation Desert Sun, that's Sun, S-O-N. Yeah. Pete Seeger loved that song. And he performed it with his grandson. I think he told me he performed it on the Mike Douglas show, although I never was able to find it. But we sang it together at, I think it was a Children's Music Network gathering. But he really liked that. Well, come on, all you young men and women. Uncle Sam needs your help around. Yemen? Got himself in another big strife, fighting for the lubricated way of life. Saddle up your camel, hang on to the hump. We're gonna head him off at the pump. And it's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, you ain't supposed to know. You're going cause it's time to go. And it's five, six, seven, can't you give me just one clue? Okay. Well, it's black and it's sticky and it comes from the soil. I know, it must be all. Dads and grandpas who passed on Nam send your boys out to face Saddam. Tell them, son, it's a surgical act. You'll be home for the prom, in fact. But remember, kid, if you blow this job, there won't be no gas in the sob. And then it's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, you ain't supposed to know. You're going because it's time to go. And it's five, six, seven. Can't you give me just one clue? Okay. Well, it's inky and it's stinky and it comes from the soil. Hey, do you think it might be... Weapons of mass destruction? Gee, they ought to drive my Grand Cherokee 12 miles to the gallon. Love how it feels. It's a double whopper on wheels. There's a lot of dictators, it's sad to tell. But this guy lives over a well. And it's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, you ain't supposed to know. You're going cause it's time to go And it's five, six, seven Can't you give me just one clue? Try this, it's ooey and it's gooey And it rhymes with linoleum Yeah, I know, but, huh? Welcome back, all golf alums Hiya, Colin What's up, Rums? Norm retired? Who's in now? Wolf's an anchor? Holy cow! 41's out 43's in All right, let's twist again and it's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, you ain't supposed to know. You're going cause it's time to go. And it's five, six, seven, can't you give me just one clue? How's this? It gushes and it rushes right out of the soil. Well, I, I thought it might be, uh, oh, oh, oh. Are you ready to rumble? They are too. Put the gloves on, begin round two. In the opposite corner, it's the same old guy. That don't look like fear in his eye. Yeah, this one could be total hell. Do we have to ring the bell? And it's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, you ain't supposed to know. You're going cause it's time to go. And it's five, six, seven. Can't you give me just one clue? Okay, last chance. It's black and it's sticky. And it comes from the soil. Hello, it must be
The song is Operation Desert Sun, that's S-O-N, not S-U-N, obviously to the tune of I Feel Like I'm Fixing to Die Rag, which Country Joe McDonald made popular. And as you said, there's a couple other voices in there. One of them is Lisa, and who's the other person singing with you? Lisa Derman is a brilliant elementary school teacher here in the Portland area. Actually, she just retired. And David LeGraff, unfortunately deceased, was another teacher who loved to sing, had a great theatrical presence. Both of those two great actors. I want to ask you a bit more about that. But first, I want to remind our listeners they are tuned in to Song of the Soul, which is Northern Spirit Radio production. Northern Spirit Radio. That's three words. <laughs> Northern Spirit Radio dot O-R-G. And that's O-R-G like organic instead of C-O-M like commercial. No pesticides and fertilizers here that aren't natural. <laughs> this seems really natural. <laughs> And on our website, there's all kinds of good things. We've been doing this since 2005. So many wonderful musicians, performers, and activists of all sorts on our Spirit in Action program. So you can find all of those for your listening and download on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. Post comments when you come and rate the programs. Let other people know what you like and what you'd like to suggest for the future and find the stations where we're broadcast across the country. There's 40-plus stations right now that are carrying our shows, and you can find them on our site as well as there's a donate button. This is full-time work. I left my lucrative computer programming profession to become an underpaid radio broadcaster, but it's work that I love. It's so dear and near to my heart. So please click donate to support us and even more so. And I hope this is important. I don't know in Portland, Maine, Phil, what kind of local community radio stations you have there, but community radio stations are special. They're not part of these big chains. They're not part of the 90% of the media that is controlled by just six corporations. So they have an authentic local voice and alternative views and news and music you get nowhere else. So Start by supporting them, and then you can help me out if you care to. Again, NorthernSpiritRadio.org is where you find us. I'll tell you where, where you can find my music, or a little bit of it anyway, is at my website. It's at Philip Hose, that's P-H-I-L-L-I-P-H-O-O-S-E dot com. Yeah, so philiphose.com. There's two L's in Philip, and there's two O's in Hose. If that's at all challenging for you, and I am spelling challenged myself, come via northernspiritradio.org because everybody can spell that one correctly. Well, let's get on to some more of your music, Phil. I mean, actually, if we had enough time, we'd talk about your 10 or 12 books as well. We've talked about Hey Little Ant, but there's so much more that you've written and some really excellent books, folks. You really want to check them out. philippose.com will get you to them. What song you want to share? Why don't we share Allenwood? Okay. Where is Allenwood Jail? The Allenwood Jail is in Allenwood, Pennsylvania. This was a jail that was talked a lot about during the Watergate years because a lot of the Watergaters ended up going there. It was, at the time, a minimal security federal prison, and it always had the reputation as being a jail with a golf course. You'd read these stories about people like Gordon Liddy and Eagle Crow, the Watergaters, going to this place, and you could imagine playing golf. It just began to 
make me curious and also kind of furious. How could these clowns get off like that? So one day I just picked up the phone and found a number for Allenwood Minimal Security Federal Prison or whatever its official title was, and I called the number, and a guy answered, Allenwood. And I said, I want to know. I'm just Joe Schmuck, newspaper reader. But I hear about this all the time. Is it really true? Do you really have a golf course? And the guy says, only nine holes. Only nine <laughs> holes. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote, I wrote a song from the standpoint of an inmate, a golfer. Allenwood Jail, the Gentleman's Jail, performed here by Phil Hose. They found my name in a Swiss account Written on a check for a large amount They said I stole our pension plan I faced the judge, a guilty man I'm just a CEO from a Fortune 5 Among hardened men How could I survive? I said, oh judge What would be my fine? He said, 30 days on the hardback nine Oh, tell my mama not to wail. Tell my accountant not to go my bail. And tell my lawyers, well, they can send my mail to Sweet 13 at Thalenwood Jail. They ain't got no bars for me to try. The only stripes are on my tie. But nine holes a day in the burning sun. That makes a man think twice about what he's done. Oh, tell my mama not to wail. Tell my accountant not to go my bail. Tell my lawyers they can send my mail to Sweet 13 at the Allenwood Jail. And each night us convicts stay up late A trading tips on stocks And interest rates I've met President's men I've met CPAs Passed out on my cards In the first two days Oh, tell my mama not to wail. Tell my accountant, don't you go my bail. And tell my lawyers that 
they can send my mail to Sweet 13 at the Allenwood Jail. Well, they set me free out in the yard. I hugged the chef and tipped the guard. Well, I left that joint a different man with a softer heart and a deeper tan. Oh, tell my mama not to wail. Tell my accountant, don't you go my bail. And tell my lawyers, they could send my mail to Sweet 13 at the Allenwood Jail. That's Sweet 13 at the Allenwood Jail. Wonderful song by Phil Hose. It is Allenwood Jail. His website is philiphose.com. Any question on spelling, come by nordenspiritradio.org. Hose is H-O-O-S-E. I bet you that's a Dutch name, isn't it? They tell me it's German, a corruption of Hesse or Hesse. I'm always hoping that it's Hermann and not, uh, not the other one. <laughs> and, yeah, it's let's get the one who writes great Eastern odysseys as opposed to people who do nasty things. Mm. Yes. But Allenwood Jail was a song, and I got to learn that song through Tom Nielsen, who I've had on several times for Song and Soul and Spirit in Action. He's a dear friend over in Massachusetts. Uh, You're in Maine, so I guess that's closer than Wisconsin, I suppose. But I was looking around online before, and I was unable to find any recording of that. So you did a special recording for me. So thank you for doing that. And who else is joining you on that performance of Alan Wajale? My wife, Sandy St. George, and my good friend, Nate Nickerson, on bass. Did you do this in a home studio? Is there a studio local that you can go to? It's a beautiful recording. Thank you. There's a place called The Studio in Portland, Maine that I've been working with for years and years, and they allowed me to pop in when I told them I had a, a radio show that wanted to focus on my music. They helped me a lot. We did it in, I think, three takes. It came out beautifully, and I love that version of it. Well, let's go on to some more music. We've got a few songs I'm pretty sure we want to get in. Again, we could talk about your books, Phil, but we're here on Song of the Soul. There is one book that I'd like to talk very briefly about, and that is Claudette Colvin, Twice Toward Justice. It's the story of the real Rosa Parks. This is about a a 15-year-old girl who, in the same city of Montgomery, Alabama, with the same public bus system, did what Rosa Parks became famous for doing, but did it nine months earlier and decided to challenge the segregation laws by getting a lawyer and arguing in court that they were unconstitutional. She lost and then uh, came back again as uh, a plaintiff on a federal lawsuit that challenged the federal bus laws and won. This was in uh, 1956. The actual verdict came down. 
I had heard of this story, and I it took me forever to find her. At first, I did it through um, a newspaper reporter named Richard Willing. He was willing to convey a message to Claudette for me. The message was, you know, there's this guy who would like to write, you know, with you about your early life. Are you up for that? And she wrote back, no, maybe when I retire. So this went on for two or three years, maybe twice a year I would send that message. And I was pretty discouraged. I didn't think it would happen. And then one night I came home and there was a light blinking on the phone machine. I picked it up and it was Richard, the newspaper reporter, saying to Claudette, we'll talk with you. Here's your telephone number. Good luck. Gee, I didn't sleep that night. I was just preparing questions, lists of questions. So about 10.30 the next day, I called the number. And here answered a woman. And I said, I'm Phil Hose. Richard probably told you to expect a call. And she said, yes. And we had a great conversation. I went down there. We decided to work together. And another two years, the book was out. And the book is one of the most successful books in the history of nonfiction writing for young adults, especially. It won the National Book Award. It won the Newbery Honor. It just won and won and won. So I'm very proud of that book. Claudette is still alive. I'm still in touch with her. We're friends. We speak, you know, maybe once a month, something like that. It's a, a big part of my life, that book. And again, the book is Claudette Colvin, Twice Towards Justice by Philip Hose. It's just a little over 100 pages. You can find links to it via philiphose.com and the links on nordenspiritradio.org. And there's a couple other books that aren't on there as well, but you're going to have to contact Phil to find out about those because we're going to go on to some more of your music so we can fit it all in. (laughs) (laughs) What's up next? What if the Russians don't come? This is Sally Campbell's favorite of my songs. I wrote it maybe 35 years ago, and I just observed that we were braced for war. I mean, I had grown up in the Cold War where we had to duck and cover under the desks, and there were drills. And it was just an assumption that these people were not like us. I just decided to do something about it, to write a song about that. I mean, how much did we need the Russians? What would it be like if we didn't have them? What if the Russians don't come by Phil Hose? My town made a plan for its civil defense. We'll all take Route 70 when it gets tense. My wife sewed a map into my underclothes So that I'll know where to run when the big whistle blows We had our rehearsal last Saturday night And all things considered, the town did alright Except on the ramp when that bus tried to pass And it took us three hours to clean up the glass What if the Russians don't come? What if they like where they're from? What if they're not in the mood to invade? What if they're tired or drunk or afraid? What would we do if their generals just said, This is dumb. What if the Russians don't come? I've learned about Russians since I was a tyke And here's what I know about what they are like They don't believe in God and they never have fun 
They're brainwashed and dull and they all weigh a ton And in the Olympics whenever we meet Their women are men and their judges all cheat But maybe you shouldn't rely just on me Cause I've not seen a Russian except on TV What if the Russians have lives? What if they're husbands and wives? If they come home late from work on the bus And have to fix dinner for children that fuss They might be too tired to come put us under their thumb What if the Russians don't come? The president says we're behind in the race And we need his new missile just to keep pace If we don't stay up with them lap after lap The Russians will come blow us right off the map Well, I may be dumb, but sometimes I forget What I've got against all these folks I ain't met I can't figure out why they'd want World War III could it be they're wondering the same about me? What if the Russians are scared? What if they're all unprepared? Maybe that Ivan's as tired as I am Tired of worrying about Uncle Sam Why don't we stop before one of us does something dumb What if the Russians don't come Such a spot-on song, What If the Russians Don't Come, by Phil Hose, my guest here today for Song of the Soul. As you said, Phil, Sally Campbell, she really likes that song of yours. And Sally is connected with the Children's Music Network and the People's Music Network. Uh, she's I've And every her, other network. <laughs> yes. And I've had her on my show as well. She's priceless. And the fact that she loves your song is just the affirmation we've heard all around with people like Pete Seeger loving your music and with Charlie King and Tom Nielsen and all of these people loving your music. It's not a surprise. But I do think there's an opportunity awaiting you on that song. You know, what if the Russians don't come? The youngsters of today, the millennials, are so distant from the duck and cover days that you and I grew up with, you know, where, you know, the Russians are going to have a nuclear attack on the U.S. and we're going to be saved from it by getting under our desks, right? <laughs> How crazy was that? How crazy was that? They didn't grow up with the Cold War, which for them probably ended before, you know, 1989, 90, when the Cold War is officially counted as ended, there are all kinds of 20-somethings or even 30-year-olds who have no recollection of the Cold War at all. So I think you need to do a parody of, you know, like what if Saddam doesn't come or what if on and on to the other bugaboos that we're trying to be frightened into war with. So you can do a parody of your own song. I did it. You did? Okay, well. Yeah, I did, and I'm trying to find it. The tune was to the Cruel War. The Cruel War is over. Johnny wants to fight. 
but his faithful friend Ivan has vanished from sight. Won't you please oppose me? I forget what it was. Ivan, yet. Johnny, yet. I'll find it for you. Well, it is sad to find all of those reasons that people, I think, falsely lead us off to war by building fear. But I think you can build us some joy if you just share some more of your music. Let's turn our attention to Tonight I Missed Miller Time Again. It's an office place song. It's a song about how dead you can feel working in an office. And this is about a, the protagonist in this song passes out on her or his terminal with the cursor on, on his chin. And it looks like I missed little time again. It's a song about how deadening the office place can be. The hero in this song missed a happy hour and is really, really glum about it. And it is increasingly difficult. They talk about increasing productivity in our workplaces. But what that really means is people are more and more in a straitjacket at work. In the times of greatest abundance, we're somehow have to go through stultifying work and just not freed to be a real person. Right. Very well said. That is what I was trying to capture in that song. Well, we're both capturing it then today as Philip Post shares his song, Tonight I Missed Miller Time Again. This one's for all you buckaroos who slug it out from nine to five. Whoa, the janitor came up to see why the lights was on. The clock said 7.35. And everyone was gone I had passed out on my terminal With the cursor on my chin And it looks like I missed Miller time again Oh, I guess that I got hypnotized By the calculator's glow And when they all went out no one let me know Just trying to keep these figures straight Seems to do me in And tonight I missed Miller time again All day long I work my tail off here And at night I'm too darn tired for a beer Oh, right now I'm getting laughed at By the other men Cause tonight I missed Miller time again I I had a cow to punch Or some lousy sod to bust Or a factory job that'd leave my throat Dry and full of dust Cause wrestling with the bottom line Don't make a thirst roll in And tonight 
I missed Miller time again. Yeah, hey, tonight, I missed Miller time again. That's a song I learned a few decades ago from Charlie King. We have it courtesy of Phil Hose, who wrote the song today for Song of the Soul. Tonight, I Missed Miller Time Again. What a sad, sad song. It is. And you do funny and sad together, which I think makes people pay attention better. Just to get lugubrious and crying in your non-beer, I guess, in this case. Uh, <laughs> Your three two beer, <laughs> your light beer. Yeah, just to cry in the beer isn't enough. The little bit of humor and the wry twist that you add to it really makes it so much. It grabs people's attention and makes them need to sing along. I bet you there's a lot of people out there singing that daily. <laughs> Maybe there will be now. <laughs> I want to get in one more song in, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you something that I ask almost every guest I have here for Song of the Soul. That is about your religious spiritual influences, past and present, positive or negative. I understand that you grew up with some exposure to Baptist and Methodist, but you got away from that. Could you give me a little bit of flavor of how you, that stuff has influenced your life? Well, I grew up in Indiana, town of Speedway, the town of Angola, Indiana. I was born in South Bend, and uh, my parents were Methodists, and my extended family were mainly Baptists. So I had quite a bit of exposure to church. We went most weekends, I'd say, up until I was about a, a freshman, but freshman high school, that is, and I, I got dunked. I came up streaming. I did it because my parents promised me some financial thing, some money or something to do it. So I did it, took the money and ran and, and dripped. But as for, um, I, I might be a spiritual person, I don't know, but I like to think that somebody who co-wrote Hey Little Aunt, I think if you want to know my spirit, that's it right there. But I have always been an atheist. I just don't see it. Maybe that's not what you wanted to hear, but the other thing is, you know, I read a lot. And in those towns where I was, that meant so much. You know, you were transported in all sorts of realms and dimensions. And, of course, spirituality was part of it. Though I may not have memorized the New Testament or the Old Testament, for that matter, I did read a lot of spiritual material. You know, I, I met Dorothy Day when I moved to New York City. I went down to that soup kitchen in, on First Street, and I've always thought a lot about it and so forth. And music has helped me so much. I'd say that the address of my spirit is music. It's always been in me all the time. You know, I wake up with songs in my mind. And anybody who's interested in my spirituality should just consult Hey Little Ann. I think I laid it out, poured it out right there. I don't think there's anything left of me. Well, there is something left. We need at least one more thing because I'd like to share one more song for your Song of the Soul. How can Phil Hose end his Song of the Soul today? He can end it with a song called the Delaware Bay Blues, and it is about the journey of a red knot. A red knot is a shorebird like a sandpiper. Red knots have these incredible annual migration journeys that they go 19,500 miles back and forth from Tierra del Fuego, which is at the very bottom of the hemisphere, 
all the way up to the central Arctic, up to the top. I wrote a book called Moonbird about that journey, and I spent a lot of time in Tierra del Fuego and, and at various points along the Red Knot's migratory path, and it was just awesome. So I wrote a, a song from the point of view of the bird itself. It turned out really well. There's a guitar player I need to shout out on that version, which is Ray Suey, S-U-H-Y. He's one of the great guitar players on earth as far as I'm concerned, certainly one of the best I've ever heard. You're going to like the support that he gives me on this song. He's just amazing. I'm curious about eggs. What is the point? (laughs) (laughs) Why do you need millions and millions of eggs? What is this? If you're a red knot, a shorebird, flying these vast distances, you can fly several days without stopping, without reloading fuel. But you have to stop somewhere because the distance is longer than can be done in a day. So over the the millennia, they have figured out, the red knots have figured out where they can stop. Where is a a watering hole in Brazil? Where is a, a place in Delaware Bay? The biggest place of all is in Delaware Bay, in New Jersey especially, but also in Maryland. Then they have to come down, and the protein source that they use, you know, what they eat, or the fuel that they tank up on when they make these pit stops, it so happens that horseshoe crabs lay their eggs. They come ashore to lay their eggs at exactly the time when these starving shorebirds alight from the sky, and they need those eggs. It's a, a soft protein source. It is essential to red knots during their long, long migratory journey. So I wrote a song, as I say, from the point of view of a red knot who spots Delaware Bay from the air and rushes down saying, you know, I need eggs. We're going to finish with that. I want to thank you, Phil, for being here. Not only for that, but of course for writing all the wonderful books you do. And I do want to direct people again to your website, philiphose.com. Hose is H-O-O-S-E. Philip has two L's in it as well. The link's on nordenspiritradio.org. Find his books. We were there too. Claudette Coven, Twice Towards Justice, and his other books. You'll find them on philiphose.com. Also, the wonderful music you've contributed that you exposed me to through people like Charlie King and Sally Rogers and John McCutcheon and Tom Nielsen, all these great friends and people that you've inspired. So your books, your music, your work with the Nature Conservancy, and the fact that you joined me here today put you top in my books. Well, top in my books, too. This was a wonderful interview. I was looking forward to it, and this just exceeded my expectations. I really enjoyed this. So we're going to go out for Philip Hose's Song of the Soul with his song, The Delaware Bay Blues. My appreciation to Andrew Jansen for production assistance on today's program. We'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. Here's the Delaware Bay Blues. One, two, three, four. I'm a roofer red knot flying north in the middle of May. I'm a roofer red knot flying north in the middle of May. My compass is set for the shores of Delaware Bay. Four days non-stop since I left Marignal. Four days non-stop since I left Marignal 
I was a fat bird then, but I'm fine on empty now. I need eggs. I need eggs. I need eggs. I need eggs. I need hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of eggs. I need eggs. I need eggs. I need millions and billions and trillions and billions and billions and billions of eggs, or else I am never gonna lose these Delaware Bay blues. Flying through the rain, pushing through the wind, bound for the banquet on the beach at the end. I can fill up my tank to reach our breeding land if a whole lot of crabs will get to work in the sand. Well, I remember a little cutie. I met her on the beach last year. Yeah, I remember a little cutie. I met her on the beach last year. I got a dance I want to show her and a song she really needs to hear. But we'll need eggs. We'll need eggs. We'll need hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of eggs. We'll need eggs. We'll need eggs. We'll need millions and billions and trillions and billions and billions and trillions of eggs, or else we are never gonna lose these Delaware Bay blues. Not flying north through the middle of May. I'm a roof of red, not flying north in the middle of May. Looking for a meal on the shores of Delaware Bay. I need eggs. I need eggs. I need hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of eggs. I need eggs. I need eggs. I need millions and billions and trillions and billions, billions of eggs, or else I'm never gonna lose. No, I'm never gonna lose. No, I'm never gonna lose these Delaware Bay blues. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helps Meet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.